Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is A Million Other Choices, and I am your host, Kim. Today's case is yet another suggestion from Shauna. I really should hire her as a case recruiter or something, uh, but she'd have to work cheap, like free, kind of cheap. But I really do appreciate the suggestions, not just from Shauna, but from any of you, because my Google search bar is starting to look a little serial killer-ish. This is the murder of Nancy Cooper. Nancy Lynn Rents was born in Edmonton in 1973. A natural athlete, she grew up playing ringette. Although awkward as a kid, she grew up to be a stunner and loved fashion and art and relocated to Calgary. She worked for IBM, which back in the 1990s was a big, giant tech company, but she also ran a clothing store of her own on the side. Although she normally dated outgoing and gregarious men when she met Bradley Cooper, not that one, in 1999, who also worked at IBM, she felt he was a much safer choice so as not to get her heart broken. So when Brad proposed, she said yes, and they started wedding plans for a big, lavish wedding. Only Brad got a job offer at Cisco Phone Company in North Carolina. So they moved up their plans and got married in a small ceremony just at a restaurant in Calgary in October of 2000 so that they could both move to Cary, North Carolina for Brad's new job. Nancy had a very close relationship with her family. Her dad, Gary, was a social worker who ran a business of his own and her brother, Jeff, was a police officer in Edmonton. She was also very close with her mom, Donna, and sister, Jill. In addition, she had an identical twin sister named Krista, who she was very close with in that twin way that always kind of gives me a little bit of the creeps. So they were sad to see her move to the States, but happy that she was happy. Nancy also had Crohn's disease, and while living in Calgary, she was in and out of the hospital a lot, according to Brad. Uh, More than monthly, she would have to go to the ER. So the fact that she remained athletic and active was really a testament to her strength and resilience as a person. 
Brad had been born in Medicine Hat in 1973, only weeks apart from Nancy. His dad was a VP of the Medicine Hat College. Brad was also very athletic, so they had a lot in common. He was also very smart and goal-oriented, which impressed Nancy. He had a blog called Adventures of Brad, where he would write about and post pictures from his Ironman competitions that he completed and his degrees, which included a master's degree. But things didn't go so great at first for Nancy, although she found a Crohn's doctor that she was happy with and things improved quite a bit on the on that front with a lot less hospital visits. She only had a visitor's visa, so she wasn't able to work and was bored out of her mind a lot of the time. Being that she was working at both IBM and running her own store, this was a bit of a culture shock for her. She also suffered a, a total of five miscarriages while trying for the birth of their first daughter, Bella, who was born in February of 2004. At Christmas time in 2002, she went home to Edmonton to visit her family and said that she wasn't very happy about returning to North Carolina, but she did return and things got better. Brad bought her a car and she was earning some cash on the side by doing some nanny work and painting and art under the table. So she had a bit of independence again and with the birth of Bella in 2004, a new purpose in life. A second daughter, Katie, followed in 2006. But by early 2008, Nancy had grown unhappy again. She had discovered Brad had an affair with his boss's wife, Heather Mature. Heather had been a friend of Nancy, so it was especially heartbreaking for her. They had been doing counseling, but it hadn't been able to help her forgive. She had discovered this affair when a woman named Kindle Rollins launched a lawsuit against Heather Mature for alienation of affection towards her husband with him, and it came out that she had also had this affair with Brad. She had reached out to a lawyer about leaving, but he said that if she left the house that she would lose any financial footing that she had and possibly even custody of the kids. So she was a bit stuck for the time being. Her parents had heard from her that he had possession of the kids' passports, so she couldn't leave the country anyways. They were concerned about her growing unhappiness and had been looking into securing a lawyer for her so that she could finally leave the marriage and maybe buy out Brad's share of the house. Donna had made plans to go to Cary, North Carolina to help Nancy figure things out. They had made these plans for Nancy during a vacation in South Carolina in early July of 2008. Nancy had arrived at the vacation a former shell of the vibrant and outgoing woman that she had been, and her parents knew that Nancy wanted to come back home to Edmonton more than anything. Just after lunchtime on Saturday, July 12, 2008, so about a week after returning home from vacation with her parents, Nancy's good friend Jessica Adam made a call to 911 that Nancy had been expected at her place at 8 a.m. to do some painting for her and hadn't shown. She had called Brad and he had said that he had she had left at 7 a.m. to go for a jog with another friend but was vague about details and it just wasn't like Nancy to flake on plans. She also mentioned to the dispatcher that Nancy and Brad were living together but going through a divorce and she didn't know what to do. The panic in Jessica's voice was evident but because Brad had not called to report her missing and he wasn't very concerned, I don't think they really launched a big search effort. But no one had been able to reach her, so Christy, Nancy's twin sister, called Gary and Donna, who were at a funeral at the time in Edmonton, and told her dad that Nancy was missing. Gary instinctively knew something wasn't right and said to Donna, Donna, this story is not going to have a happy ending. 
few days later, a man out walking his dog in a subdivision in Kerry that had not been developed yet noticed vultures flying above. Upon investigating what they were circling, he encountered floating in a stormwater overflow pond, the mostly naked except for sports bra and one earring body of 34-year-old Nancy Cooper. He called 911 and the dispatcher asked if she was beyond any help, and the man answered that he was pretty sure she was dead. An autopsy would later confirm that although there was no evidence of any sexual assault, she had been strangled so badly a bone in her neck had snapped. Her keys were not on her, and she was not wearing proper running shoes. It did not take long for suspicion to fall on Brad. And there was a lot of investigation that pointed circumstances back to Brad being a good suspect for murder. For one, he had not reported her missing and never followed up with the police about any search efforts to find her. That had all been her friends and family. And they learned that he had never applied for a work visa for Nancy, keeping her financially dependent on him. He also had put her on an allowance and had redirected her emails to go to his blog site so that he could monitor them. This kind of controlly behavior is a bit of a red flag. So is a woman that winds up dead shortly after initiating divorce proceedings or separating from a partner. It didn't help that an ex-girlfriend of Brad's came forward when she found out Nancy was missing to tell investigators that her time with Brad had not been fun and he had emotionally abused her and was mentally cruel, telling them in her statement, quote, I had never before and have never again been in a relationship with someone who treated me so poorly, end quote. Then they discovered that one of their neighbors, Ross Tabachow, had been at a party that the family attended the very night before she disappeared. At the party, he said, Nancy had told me that she was living in a separate bedroom from Brad and that they were headed for divorce. The relationship was like a pendulum. Sometimes it was tolerable, but sometimes it swung to the hate mode. That night, it was in the hate mode, apparently. And he said that Nancy had told him that night that Brad had put her on this cash budget. Another neighbor at the party, Craig Duncan, said that Brad had bragged about his affair with Heather, and his wife had told him that Brad had hit on her in the kitchen that night. Nancy's family was becoming suspicious of Brad as well, his sister Jill saying, It's so hard to look back at it, knowing what I know now. That's the hard part. Once you're educated to it, you just look back and you see that you were blind to it. The signs were all there. Her father said, it's like running up a gradual hill. Until you look backwards, you don't know what you're doing. I think that's what domestic violence done in this fashion is all about. It's very gradual. Brad was also noticeably absent from the memorial service for Nancy. So Brad quickly lawyered up and his lawyer, Seth Bloom, faced the media days after Nancy's body had been found saying that Brad Cooper is a very private man. He is not accustomed to the hot glare of the media spotlight. He never dreamed that he would see his face splashed across television news shows, nor his name in headlines, especially not under these terrible circumstances. Different people grieve in different ways. Mr. Cooper wishes to mourn privately. But investigators had nothing. The only thing that they had been able to find was on a forensic search of his computer the day before Nancy went missing, he had done a Google Maps search on his laptop and zoomed in on the exact spot where Nancy's body was found. So the case kind of went a bit cold because they also discovered that the morning she had disappeared, 
The laundry had been done by Brad at the home, including the dress that she had worn to the party the night before, and the trunk of his car was freshly vacuumed. But Assistant District Attorney Howard Cummings, from the very beginning he was pretty sure that this wasn't a case of a woman going out jogging and being randomly attacked. This was domestic violence, and the fact that he had not called 911, had not followed up on their search or investigation, nor attended any of the searches or the memorial, and had lawyered up, that said a lot about Brad. Quote, The general public is not concerned about whether a drug dealer kills another drug dealer. People are concerned about things that happen in their neighborhood or to people who are in the same station in life or the same socioeconomic position. That's what gets their attention. There are a lot of people that jog and carry and all over the country. And you know, everybody goes out jogging is thinking, what happened to this woman? This man says she went out for a run. I've been doing it for 25 years and I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of middle to upper class husbands kill their wives. And it's classic the way they act. And they often tend to be volatile and be public in their criticism of their spouses. That part of it is sort of a classic psychological domestic abuse. Nancy's parents, Gary and Donna, were also convinced Brad had murdered their daughter at this point. So they requested custody of Bella and Katie. And on October 2nd, 2008, he had to come in for a deposition, which is basically where you just get asked a bunch of questions. And this was videotaped for some reason. And I have seen it. Now, I'm not going to share much of it with you because it's about two hours of blah, 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 blah. But I do want to play you a little piece of it. And I want you to keep in the back of your mind that this is less than three months since Nancy's body the mother of his children's body was discovered nude and strangled just five kilometers from their family home. Do you think that Nancy mistreated you during the marriage? I'm, I'm define mistreatment. I did. Well, how, mistreat? Did she did she treat you poorly during the marriage? I'd say there was some actions and some conversations that were probably uncalled for. I'm not too sure I'd classify it as mistreatment. Did you have a good marriage? I'd say we had our ups and downs. From January 1, 2008 to July 12, 2008, did you and Nancy have a good marriage? I would say our marriage was more in the down side of things. Where was Nancy's body found? From what I understand, it was in a new division, a new subdivision, um, uh, I guess, east of the home. Do you know what street it was on? Um, I believe the, the report said it was off Fielding Drive. Do you know where that is? I've seen it on a map, yes. Have you ever driven there? No. Um, do you know if it was near anywhere that Nancy ran, any of her typical running routes? As far as I know, I, um, I cannot imagine Nancy running across that road. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be one of the roads I would think that she would run on. Do you know where it would be in relation to this map? Um, I guess it'd be over here someplace, I guess. It'd be off the map. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and admit. So is it your testimony, if you can just mark the direction in which it, it would be, her body would be, okay. but if it's not on the map? I, I guess Fielding Drive is over there someplace. <laughs> How do you know that, if you just mark it? 
because I, I saw a map on one of the news articles. Okay. After you saw, was that a news article that came out after the autopsy or before? Uh, before the autopsy, I guess. Okay. And did you have any interest in seeing where the location was? No. I haven't driven past it. I have no interest in driving past it. Okay. I will be right back after these brief messages. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Upon watching this video, Howard Cummings said of Brad's behavior, She's the mother of your kids. You say you didn't do this. Well, how about shedding a few tears and saying what a great woman she was or how much everybody is going to miss her? But they can't do that because they've never been positive toward them, even when they were alive. But the fact that he was adamant that he had never been to the spot where Nancy was found intrigued him the most. He didn't know anything about it. He had seen it on the map from the news. But that isn't what his computer search found. Howard said, it was kind of like, enough is enough. Let's charge him. And on October 27, 2008, Brad Cooper was arrested and charged with first-degree murder in North, in North Carolina. Police Chief Pat Bazemore said, This has never been a case of a jogger randomly attacked. It was a case of domestic abuse of the worst kind. And the trial started in March 2011. A change of venue was denied. His defense argued, besides there being no physical evidence to tie him to Nancy's murder, that investigators had honed in on him from the very start and had never looked at any other suspects and ignored any evidence that didn't fit their idea of what had happened. They went after Nancy's character and claimed that she was also having an affair and put into question the paternity of their youngest daughter, Katie, one of the children Brad was adamant about having custody of. The prosecutor, Amy Fitzhugh, had a different story to tell, telling jurors that Brad had lied about his whereabouts and the state of their marriage at the time of her disappearance and said that the evidence that they had supported the theory that had, he had come home with Nancy from the party on the night of July 11th, put their children to bed, and then grabbed Nancy from behind, crushing her windpipe while she slept. He then dumped her body at the spot that he googled the day before, cleaned up the house, did the laundry, cleaned out his car, and made up a story about her going jogging. And after 37 days of testimony, the jury came back with a guilty verdict of first degree in the most expensive trial in the history of Wake County. He was sentenced to life in prison. But not everybody thought Brad was guilty. One of his co-workers, a biologist named Lynn Blanchard at Cisco, started a Free Brad Cooper website and printed t-shirts saying Free Brad on them. Nancy's sister was lucky enough to encounter a young boy on vacation in Hawaii years later wearing a shirt that he says he got in a thrift store, opening up old wounds for her. 
Brad, of course, appealed his conviction and was granted a new trial in September of 2013, which was to take place in 2014. And in January 2014, he entered a surprising guilty plea to second degree murder. Gary and Donna were happy not to have to go through another trial with the plea deal, which included him accepting the custody order to Nancy's twin sister, Krista, who was living in BC with Bella, who was then 10, and Katie, who was 8. Gary told reporters, when we started this process years ago, one of the first things I said was that I wished the person who was responsible for this crime would come forward and acknowledge their guilt and own up to their behavior. That's happened today. The sentence sucked a bit, though. As it was a U.S. conviction, there is no mandatory life sentence for second-degree murder, so a then 40-year-old Brad was given 12 to 15 years, but seeing that he had already served six years, the max that he would be behind bars was another eight years. There was also no apology or statement offered by Brad and no agreed statements of facts, just the judge asking if he in fact killed his wife and dumped her body, to which he said yes. The prosecution still contends that as a phone engineer, he was able to monitor Nancy's calls and had her emails diverted to his own website, so he was well aware of her plans to divorce him. The case made news for another day. The chat boards buzzed with those alleged conspiracy and say that he took a plea simply for a shorter sentence. On her Justice for Brad blog, Lynn Blanchard wrote a lengthy post about why an innocent person would plead guilty. She says she's writing a book about the case. So he cut off access to their money, including her credit cards, when he found an email that showed him how much money he was going to have to pay in child support if she divorced him. But Brad's guilty plea didn't dissuade Lynn Blanchard, who took to her free Brad or Justice for Brad, or whatever it was called, website, and blathered on about how he pled guilty because of a conspiracy against him, and it was his only way to get out of prison in his lifetime. Quote, I think he feels like it's too big a gamble, and that he can never get a fair trial in North Carolina. I'm glad he will be free, and I think there's a chance he will be exonerated. But here's the thing, Lynn. North Carolina is the state that started the Alford plea, which is where you can assert your innocence but enter a plea that says, I know there's enough evidence that I will likely be convicted if this goes to trial, so I'm going to enter a plea that isn't a guilty plea, even though I know it's likely going to come with jail time. But he didn't do that. He entered a guilty plea, as in, yes, I'm guilty. Most state courts hold that an Alford plea is the functional equivalent of a regular plea of guilty. Therefore, a defendant who enters a guilty plea, whether an Alford plea or a regular guilty plea, has lost almost all rights to appeal. Most courts hold that the only issues applicable are the voluntary and intelligent nature of the plea and the jurisdiction of the court. The objective is to establish that no improper inducements have been made to secure a plea, that the defendant understands the basic constitutional rights incident to a trial, that these rights are being waived, and that he or she comprehends the consequences of the plea. Alford pleas are accepted in all U.S. states with the exception of Indiana, Michigan, and New Jersey, and cannot be used in courts of the U.S. military. So you can put that in your little pipe and smoke it, Lynn. He is very likely guilty, as he is not a U.S. citizen. On November 23, 2020, when he was released from the Mountain View Correctional Institution in Spruce Pine, North Carolina, he was handed over to U.S. Immigration and Customs, where he was deported back to Canada somewhere. 
Nancy's sister Jill now heads a domestic abuse program in Edmonton. She says, when something like this happens, you have to make a decision. You can either live in that victim mode and be angry, or you can use it as a launch pad to do something positive for other people. There is also a charity fund called Nancy's Butterfly Fund. The program is working anonymously because they are a woman's shelter, essentially. Women go to the program every day, Monday to Friday, for six months. More than 170 women have come through the program since it started. The women have gone on to work, to education, to freedom and independence. Jill tells them all Nancy's story. She wants them to know that it can happen in an abusive relationship, even if they have never been physically injured. She makes sure that the women know how much they're worth, how much it would hurt their children if they were gone, and sometimes that's the only thing they care about. Quote, when I look at that room of 22 women, I see Nancy, that's all I see, and I want to help them the way I didn't help my sister. And that was the murder of Nancy Cooper. If you or someone you know is being financially controlled or controlled by any kind of manipulation or threats to blow up your life, or put some deep, dark secret of yours into the internet, you are in danger and you are being abused. I don't give a rat's ass if that person has never once laid a hand on you in anger. If they are trying to control you by any means, when they feel they are losing control, all bets are off. So when you've had enough and you're ready to say when, reach out privately to a safe source before you make any bold moves. And when you are ready, do it in a public place and have an escape plan. And never tell them your plans for where you're going and secure your own financial aid so that you don't need to rely on child support or any other means. Gather all your important documents, clear your browser history if you've used your computer recently, and contact a women's shelter even if you have no plans to go there. Let them know your plan and information and ask for any community resources that they can put you in touch with. Never leave someone who is controlling in the spur of the moment unless you are in danger at that moment. Always plan first and stick to the plan. And I will be back again next week with another case that's going to get your blood boiling. In the meantime, you know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe, like stuff, review stuff, sign up for stuff, and send me a note. I do read all of your comments, emails, and whatnot. I may not always respond in a timely manner, but I do read it. Thank you, as always, for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.